This week's episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy Garage. Bruno Riggs, he's got them. If you haven't heard the recent things on those, man, they have been catching Pompano, Permit, all the way on the east coast of Florida, here on the west coast of Florida. It's getting it real good. He's also got six-ounce Sputniks if you wanted to go heavy. He's got the other ones too, five, four, three, two, one. He's got all of it. Go head on over to thesinkerguy.com, get your order in, fast shipping, and great customer service. This week on Finding Demo Surfishing, we are traveling to North Carolina. And we're not going regular fishing here, folks. No, no, we're going to up our game. We're getting into the land-based shark fishing side. Now, I mentioned it before when I interviewed with Dylan and his team. I still don't know a ton about land-based shark fishing, but I will open with this. Land-based shark fishing, they're not out there to kill a bunch of sharks and bring them into the shore and all these horror stories that you hear about. Now, these guys are doing a lot of different things that is not only great for the angler, but also great for our science in those pieces. So before you freak out about shark fishing, take a listen to this episode because I have a feeling you're going to have a little different thought on that. So we're listen, or this week we're talking with Hillbilly's Guide Service. You can also find them on all social medias as Hillbilly's Fishing Crew. And also, now coming out, are Hillbilly's Leaders. Lots of good stuff. And we're going to be talking with Blake and Rob. So you're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. Oh, yes. New week. All sorts of new fun stuff going on. Man, new episode for your ears. And it's going to be packed with good knowledge because this is one I've been really excited about. We've been talking a little bit offline here and there about how we're going to do this. And I've done a little bit of the old social media stalking because that's how we do things nowadays. And uh, it's been educational to see what they're doing so like i said when i opened up here we're talking with hillbilly's guide service uh you can find them on all social medias hillbilly's guide service hillbilly's fishing crew hillbilly's leaders they are land-based shark fishing based out in north carolina from topsail to oak island uh you're gonna be hearing from blake and rob they're the head guys on this one you can find them on facebook easy search through their name there the hillbilly's guide service instagram you can find them on the hillbilly's fishing crew and Tiki Talk. We love TikTok. We all know I love TikTok. This thing's too funny. Uh, you'll find them at, at Hillbilly's Fishing Crew. You know, don't forget to give them a follow. Catch up on all that information there. Now, I've been rounding my mouth for a couple minutes there, so let's just get right into this show, shall we? All right. Welcome to the show, both Rob and Blake. Guys, welcome aboard. Thank you for having us, man. Yeah, thank you for having us. What's going on, Ron? Oh, fun, fun. I am, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm pumped up with this. So for everybody to get voice association, hello, Blake. Hey, how's it going? There we go. And then Rob, there we go. Hey. Where? Now everybody, now we're all associated. Now we're all happy and centered. All will be well on this one. So you guys have been doing land-based shark fishing for a while. You're uh, just the two of you running it, right? Or do you have guys have a couple more? So basically me and Robert pretty much just did the guide service. Um, we do have a crew, Hibbley's fishing crew that we fish with on the regular. 
uh, when we just go to fish for fun. But me and Robert are pretty much doing the God service. Okay. Well, we will jump right into the questions here, and you guys are getting it right out of left field, blind. Uh, you're the first. You're the first episode I never sent the questions to. So <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> And in reality, the reason was, is we got really close on the, hey, can you do this one? Yeah, let's go. Oh, I can do this. So, all right. So we'll start off with Blake. Uh, we're going to go with you first, and then Rob will go to you next on this one. Uh, so tell us your story and what got you into fishing. Okay. So basically, I started uh, freshwater fishing. My grandfather lived in Alabama. My grandparents did. They lived on the lake. Ever since I could walk, I went and stayed every summer with them. Um, I would get bass fishing catfishing, crappie fishing, pretty much anything freshwater. I'd fish every summer with them. As I, you know, progressed getting a little bit older, really got heavy into tournament bass fishing, uh, very competitive. Bought like a really expensive ranger bass boat, first got married, um, just about fished every weekend and through the week, fished competitively for tournaments. Uh, went on a work fishing trip for saltwater uh, about five years ago with friends. Never went saltwater fishing ever. Uh, Immediately called a, I think it was a bluefish, caught a bluefish, which was a really good fight. I was like, man, this is pretty fun. This is awesome. Uh, started doing some research, looked into sharks, ended up catching like a two-foot shark my next beach trip I went on. And I was like, man, this is this is pretty fun. It pulls really, really hard. I was like, I wonder what you can do to catch bigger. So I started researching, looking at Google, um, YouTube videos. There was a lot of people already doing it. Came across land-based shark fishing. And then I saw these sharks that were as big as people <laughs> that people were catching from the beach. And I was like, man, I was like, this is just crazy. I told my wife, I was like, man, I really want to do this. So basically I sold all my bass gear, freshwater gear, kind of got out of freshwater fishing. Uh, me and Robert both, anytime we get into something, we pretty much go, you know, balls to the wall all in. <laughs> so <laughs> immediately bought two Abbott 80 wides, bought some spinning gear, bought uh, some leaders, uh, went to the beach, put a lot of time on the beach i mean probably man we went we'd go two to three days at a time and we really fished almost a year before we ever caught anything over three to four foot so i kind of got discouraged actually i went on another trip and my wife was like if you don't catch something of size this time i'm selling all your gear <laughs> whoa right there uh, all in <laughs> and then then we started making some friends like i said that's how kind of the hibley's fishing crew came together i met some other friends that did fishing we were, this was about three years ago, we went fishing at uh, Topsail, ended up catching a 13-foot hammerhead. <laughs> Whoa. So I went, I went basically from three to four foot to about a 13-foot hammerhead. <laughs> Holy crap, after dude. That, <laughs> yeah, after that, the addiction was, it was real, and it, it just kind of progressed from there, but that's really what got me into shark fishing. Nice. All right. Rob, what about you? What got you into fishing? Yeah, pretty much a similar story. Uh Started with my dad, local ponds, and my grandpa lived in uh, Ocean City, and uh, we used to do land-based regular fishing at uh, Assateague Island, and then Blake got heavy into the shark side, and me and him have been buddies forever, so I dove right behind him. So we've uh, been expanding and buying more gear and trying to catch bigger and bigger sharks every every time we go. Yep. Dang, so it, it's like the commonality for all all the people that have been on the show. Almost everyone has said, you know, started out with my dad or my grandpa, started as a young kid, and it just progressed into more and more and more. Uh, you're the first one to tell me you've gone from a three to a 13-foot shark, so <laughs> that's, uh, it, that's it was insane. Yeah, it was crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that I can see how uh, you know, like a little bending of a bluefish would definitely be like, eh, that was cute. That was a nibble, uh, kind of a change over there for you. Right. Yes, dramatic. Okay, so uh, Rob, this time, what type of fishing do you like to do? Uh, I really like catfishing, and uh, so the shark fishing kind of relates to exactly that. Uh, you dropping yeah. baits and waiting. Okay. So when you say that, that's my thing. Okay, so when you say catfish, so freshwater cat uh, on a pond, sort of, sort of, uh, you're happy. Uh, yeah, lakes, ponds, rivers, but yeah, mainly we have we have large lakes that and large rivers up here that hold monsters. So that's kind of also the same thing as the sharks. I think the state record here is like 109 pounds for for uh, catfish out of a lake. So holy crap. Yeah. that's i mean i've seen on social media people are like oh yeah look at these catfish and then you see them and you're like that's that that's a monster i mean like, that's gonna eat a person yeah. those things with their mouths at that size they are huge yeah I, I believe our state record uh blues were caught by father and son uh the the father beat the state record and within 24 hours the son beat his record <laughs> uh but massive massive catfish wow that has been fun what about you, Blake? What kind of fishing do you like to do? So besides shark fishing, I really enjoy trout fishing. I live in the mountains, which is crazy from the beach. So we're about a three and a half hour ride to the beach. Wow. But I really enjoy trout fishing. My dad pretty much got me into trout fishing. He's really big into fly rod fishing and kind of got me hooked and addicted to it. And it's just kind of something that when you fish for trout, you really get to relax because you're really not, you're not really doing a whole lot. You're kind of just enjoying nature and being with nature while you get to, just kind of taking the beauty of the of the trout stream. Something about being out there. Oh yeah, it's it's just like the beach when you're sitting out there enjoying you know the the serenity of the beach. It's kind of like that in the trout stream. What is your favorite thing about fishing? So for me, it's kind of the competitiveness. Uh, competitiveness. I'm really competitive. Um, I've always been that way. So you know, it kind of strains from tournament fishing for bass fishing. Uh, shark fishing is kind of like that too and i've always wanted to catch the biggest of anything i can catch so that's kind of i've never really been into like uh catch and cook i don't really eat a lot of fish um for me it's always been about you know just proving that you can do it try to go after the biggest game that you can catch just like hunting for people that hunt uh we are 100 percent catch and release we don't keep anything just for me it's the adrenaline of catching it and, and when you're hooked to a shark I mean, there's nothing like being in the harness. I mean, it, it's a huge adrenaline rush. I mean, I've never skydived, but it, to me, it's pretty close, is what I would imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could only imagine, especially with you guys, seeing how you guys do it. I mean, what, six, 700-pound shark, and you're just, it's between you, a fishing line, and a chair of a harness to hold, hold it in and pull it through. Yeah, it's that. And then also, you know, the camaraderie, like when you're fishing with your curry, um, you know, you get a bunch of friends together, you're hanging out on the beach, you know, spending one to two days on the beach together. We cook, we bring out a Blackstone, we cook while we're there, drink a few beers. Um, like Robert said, it's basically catfishing in the ocean. It's pretty much what you're doing. There's nothing like it, honestly, in fishing. You guys are the first ones to ever tell me the idea of a, uh, comparing that to cat catfishing. <laughs> it's funny because you said it and I was like, huh. I can actually associate with that. So that, but it's really cool that you said that. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much like bank catfishing. Yeah, besides the kayaking part and the, the dropping of the baits, but um, yeah, it's pretty much you dropping baits, sitting, waiting, 
enjoying your time till something gets on. Well, what about you, Rob? What's your favorite thing about fishing? The actual animals, really, man. The, sh- the sharks are amazing. I'm a huge animal guy. Uh, I pretty much have a zoo. So seeing <laughs> something that no one else sees is like the greatest thing ever. No one, no one's really seen a 13-foot hammerhead touching it, r- going out to your chest, releasing it. It's pretty amazing. I know this will be further on. I'll ask it, but is there anything better when you guys hook into a a shark and you get it up close and you know, I know you're following all the regs and we, we, we mentioned all that one earlier uh, in our offline conversation, but getting right next to that pure muscle fish, getting the hook off and then getting it back, you know, grab your picture real quick, getting it out. Is there anything better than that accomplishment right there when you guys are doing that? Not much. <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, it's addicting, uh, just being able to feel the strength of those animals. And like you said, we normally end up going chest deep back to, to release them to make sure they're swimming off good, getting past sandbars with them, uh, make sure they're healthy, getting them back out. It's, it's a, just an adrenaline rush, something no one else gets to experience. I, I always, as a sideline guy, because I've, I've never done land-based shark fishing, I've only watched it, um, but just seeing it as a, a bystander, if you will, it, they are beautiful creatures. I mean, granted, yeah. I, I won't go in the water that much because I know, you know, they're there and I know they won't eat me because I'm not really on their menu thing. But, I mean, on land, I am the apex predator. In the water, I'm something's possible food. So, yeah, no. And <laughs> sharks get such a bad rap and really, you know, 90% of them, they're so docile when you catch them. Uh, I mean, they, they really are. When we take them, handle them, you know, release them, they never really try to turn back or anything like that. They're usually 100% docile, you know. That occasionally you might get one that would you know not be as docile. Occasionally bull sharks for us are the only ones we've ever had turn and try to come back. <laughs> oh. I've had one that on a bull shark, uh, but everything else like usually they're they're very docile. I mean they do get a bad rap. They're not really out there trying to hurt you. I mean they're not. They're they're just enjoying their nature just like we are. Uh, Rob, it sounded like you were going to say something there. Yeah, I, I don't do much swimming, which is crazy. I don't do much swimming in the ocean because of the sharks mainly in my head <laughs> but but what's really crazy is i go chest deep to hop into a kayak and get thrown out of it 200 yards out and it doesn't bother me <laughs> just to go catch one right and I mean, then get in the water with it and walk it out so, <laughs> and 200 yards it's like, oh, this is my sa- 200 yards out you're safe you know from the beach to 200 yeah, yeah. what nothing's gonna touch you there <laughs> yeah that uh, make much sense. <laughs> I mean, in reality, it's it's what it is. It's it, it's all in our heads. I mean, I yeah. I mean, how many times have I seen drone footage? And there's you know, a, hell, I mean, I think we've had bull sharks uh, real close to shore. That you know, they're coming in a couple hundred yards to get their food because the fish are running on the bars. You'll never know. You you just don't see them, but they're there. Yeah. So always <laughs> they have they have zero you could be kicking and splashing they may come up and be like oh no uh, no i don't want that gross you know it's yeah it's just the perfect storm in our heads to be like there's something out there that's going to eat me and they want nothing <laughs> to do with us yeah. Oh, yeah i was telling rob this week earlier we were talking i was like man i'm actually more scared of stingrays than i am <laughs> yeah they're indiscriminate uh indiscriminate assholes <laughs> they will yeah. hit you <laughs> Uh, so they, Rob, they got my boy Steve. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
But don't hurt the friggin' Stingrays, listeners. Don't just, you know, barb them and throw them back out. I mean, just because they got Steve, they don't. It wasn't, that one didn't get Steve. But I don't know. I always feel like I need to say that. I've seen that several times in groups, people <laughs> talking right. about that. And they're like, oh, I took the barb off. I'm like, why? It wasn't going to hurt you. It had nothing to do with you. Yeah. But I, I am a bit of a softie when it comes to fish. I'll admit it. I'm, I'm a little bit like that. Yeah, I'm not sad. Um, Rob, yeah. let's move to you here on this next one. What is a bucket list fish for you to catch? I'd like to catch a mako. That, that is my thing. Yeah. I really want a mako. Yeah. Of course, I think everybody's bucket list would be a white, but uh, a mako is more reasonable. Uh, <laughs> I, definitely, a, I definitely want to get on it. It's a close second. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys get makos up there, right? Yep. Well, I've only heard of one great white getting landed from shore, and that was here. And everyone was utterly shocked that a white came this close to shore, and they were able to land it. There's a kid here that's landed too. Really? Yeah, on the on the OBX area of Hatteras and stuff. Okay. Well, a, yeah. a white is hard to land. I mean, because well, I'll ask because I don't have the answer. I don't know. Are, are whites yeah, more of a, yeah. an aggressive predator? Like they want to go after their food. They're not really going after the bottom sitting bait, or are they still kind of scavenger too? They're more pelagic. They actually hunt higher up in the water column. So like most of the time you can only get them on a float rig, just like your makos. But you can't really target whites. They're kind of illegal to target, so you can't really target them, but you can target a mako. Okay, and a white could just be an accidental bycatch, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. That's what. Okay, that makes sense. All right, Blake, what about you? What's a bucket list fish for you to catch? Uh, Probably, like Robert said, mako. I mean, that's pretty much everybody's land-based shark that they want to catch. You know, mako is 100% something we're hoping to get this winter. Uh, dusky, we, we get a lot of duskies around here. I would like to have a big dusky, and that, that could happen again this winter too. For me, I would probably go with a mako also. That's probably the, the bucket list, top of the bucket. Okay. Yeah. So now you, this year you both got to catch it so you can slap the hands and say, all right, we caught it. So, all right, got it. That's all right. Uh, staying with you, Blake, where would be a dream place for you to go fish? 100% if I could go anywhere, it would be Australia. Uh, just because of the tigers they get. They get some massive tigers, and it's so pretty over there. And it it uh, it just would be a dream to go land-based shark fish Australia. Nice. Well, if you ever want to, uh, <laughs> I finally found a company over there, but they're on the uh, they're on the east coast of Australia. I don't know what the shark fishing's like there, but they catch some monster ty- tigers. Uh, that Sharky Shippo guy that fishes all the time over there. I think he's caught numerous thirteen pluses for tigers over there, land based. I've heard that name. I I don't know why, but I've heard that name before. Is he a YouTuber? He is. He's a YouTuber. Okay. He is. That that explains why I've probably seen his stuff. Okay, Rob, what about you? Where do you want? Where is the dream place to go fish? Yeah, I was going to give a, a basic answer, but Blake one up me there with <laughs> Australia. I was going to say something like Texas, thinking that was exotic, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think I got to change it to like Africa now or something. Get off like the southern African coast and 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 land something huge. <laughs> <laughs> Now you guys have two to go for. All right, so Australia and South Africa. Yeah. Fine. We'll do... <laughs> Jeez, guys. Yeah, I was thinking the whole world meant like United States, not not the whole world. <laughs> well, now you just have to do both. You have to go to Texas and then have to go to South Africa. 
Right. <laughs> the Amazon in there too for uh, peacock bass and pyreva. Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, an Amazon peacock bass. Come on, that's like oh, that's super bucket list right there, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to go down there and, and land at Arowana. That'd be insane. Oh, like a yeah. Six foot Arowana, yeah. Oh gosh, you guys start talking about that stuff, and uh, I was gonna say go go fish Australia when I was talking with them. Uh, he was talking about uh, going up north. He's like, yeah, you got to kind of be careful. The fishing's great, but there's crocodiles, and you don't really want to just yeah. put a kayak in the water and just go for it. So, you know, then he started talking about all the fish that they catch up there, and I was like, well, that sounds really fun. I I want to go yeah. up there. <laughs> no, never mind. We're not gonna do that. Oh, good stuff. I was going to say, another thing that would be really cool that we've talked about doing also is a sturgeon trip. We've been wanting to catch sturgeon. That's something that probably down the road we're going to do. Oh, that'd be fun. Where, where are you guys thinking? In here or where are you headed? Uh, I don't really know yet. I haven't researched it a whole lot. I know there's a bunch of different places that offer it, but I definitely know, you know, coming up sometime we're going to look at it. I know Spokane, Washington has some that way. I know uh, sort of Great Lakes have them. Yeah. That would be epic yeah yeah i like it uh, now i can't wait to hear about that one all right i'll be stalking you a little bit on social media for that oh man i hope you guys do it and make a post for it because that'd be a lot of fun i've been i've been seeing a lot of the people that i, I follow on social media i've watched them during the winters they kind of do uh sporadic trips they, like they go somewhere else and then they just get after something different like it's not their normal fishing and then just crushing it all right keeping with you blake this one's probably going to be a long answer, and I expect that. So, <laughs> what has been your favorite fishing memory? I can answer for Blake. Ooh, <laughs> a thirteen-foot hammerhead. <laughs> that, that that would be a good one. It definitely was. I hear about it every. I hear about it like three times a day. <laughs> it pulled me. Like I said, that that one kind of spoiled me. It made it really hard to break to, to beat that one. All right. Uh, probably my best fishing memory for me would be probably at my grandfather's house when I was like 17, fishing off his pier. Like I said, I used to catfish a lot from his pier and go out in the boat. But we were uh, catfishing one night and actually caught a 42-pound blue cat with him. And I think my dad was there also. So that for me, that was one of the biggest, probably best catfish I've ever caught and probably one of the best moments being with him during that. That's a big cat. Yeah, I haven't broke that yet. That's still the biggest catfish to date that I've got. I haven't been able to break that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rob, what about you? What's been your favorite fishing memory? At the Teague Island with my grandpa and my dad, just airing down the Jeep tires, riding across it, seeing all the wild horses, catching bait fish, really. That was nothing huge, just being out there. Uh, that, that whole island's like mesmerizing. Just stands out to me my whole life. Nice job, guys. Well, now we're going to transition into probably one of the best parts of the show that I love because now I'm stealing your fishing knowledge because you're sharing it with the world here. So we're going to really dig into uh, how you guys fish. Now, this isn't about exactly about guiding, but if you guys want to tie it into your guiding, that's absolutely fine. We are going to talk about your guiding a little bit later, um, but we're really going to dig into basically the knowledge piece to try to help people out and this can be lake land based shark fishing this could also be regular fishing however you want to do it but before we do that we have a very important thing that we got to do first (laughs) 
It is your first bait check of the episode. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the stuff that he has available. You want to get your hands on a Ninja Dagger? He's got them. All the sizes up from 7-footers up to 12-footers. Great rods. I have several. I love each and every one of them. What do you want to throw some lures? He's got ES lures in there. Real quick, good shiny, good paint jobs on there. You can order them from there. What about some extra rigs? Yep, he's got you covered. Maybe about firearms. Maybe you need a new optic. What do you know? You got Ninja Tactical. They got you all covered there on any kind of other optics and firearm accessories that you might need. So head on over to ninjatackleva.com and get your order set up for success. All right, so like I started saying here, now we're going to dig in. So... Blake, if you want to handle this one or however you guys want to do it, how do you plan your fishing trips? So I know a lot of guys, you know, they plan by the weather. They plan by tides. We don't really get to choose when we get to fish because, like I said, we do have a little bit of drive to the beach, so we have to fish whenever we can. And typically, usually when we get to fish, it's usually like probably the worst weather condition you could possibly ask for. (laughs) Um, But we do look at usually like high tide, low tide, what we're going to be at, what time. Um, far as the wind, I don't really go by the wind a whole lot unless it's just unfishable. That's the only time we really pay attention to the wind for us if we can't get the kayak out, which is very rarely. Uh, Robert typically kayaks just about 90% of the time. <laughs> unless he just is too tired or he makes me kayak. I will, but it's not my favorite, but I'll do it if I have to. But Robert is definitely the strongest kayak person we have. <laughs> but we do, we don't, the moon phase really don't really bother us either that much when we start fish. Typically for us, it's usually just the tide. We, we have noticed like our our most successful time is usually at low tide. That's usually when we catch the most fish. Wow, really? It's usually, yeah, usually it's taking your, your bait, the scent, it's taking it out to the ocean versus bringing it in. So we have found out that that really helps low tide. That makes a lot of sense. So you're kind of dropping it on the, what are you guys thinking, like maybe the bottom half of the uh, outgoing or are you kind of pushing heavy onto the outgoing side from there? Yeah, we're usually getting set up and dropping usually right in the middle. So okay. by the time when we bite, usually we're like three hours in typically. Um, and I'm not saying you can't catch them at high tide because we have. We've caught them at high tide, but usually our generally best time that we usually catch them or can bank on catching them is at the the pinnacle of low tide typically. Like we usually catch them sometimes where we actually have to walk out, you know, 100 yards just to get them over the bar because we're so low. <laughs> Wow. Well, and not to mention, so for your guys' beaches, because this brings in another piece, but we're going to circle back to you on this too, Rob, is your beaches are long. It's not a big, significant drop. You've just got a long beach that you have to get down to to get further out, right? It is. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it's it's not like Florida. Like, you know, Florida, y'all have like a bar past that third bar. Like you have a whole other set of breakers. Yeah. Us, once we past it typically there might be one more bar but it's little but occasionally a shark will get stuck on it if it's a low tide okay Uh, rob what about you how do you plan your fishing trip whether it's the sharking or anything it's kind of hard to plan our trips because majority of them are based around people's schedule when they want to go so uh (laughs) it's kind of the the we don't really do too much fishing during the daytime just because the amount of boats and how far we drop yeah we, we just try to be being out there is how you catch them. I mean, if you don't have anything in the water, you're not catching. So planning them to us is very limited. We, if we're all available, that's where we're at. Um, well, let's move into this one then, uh, Rob. By all means, you get the you, you took the shortcut on that last one, so you get the long one this time. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, how do you select a fishing spot? 
so we try to look for open spots with the the low tide we have great beaches here so you can kind of fish at every beach and uh not be in people's way uh and have access points but uh make sure that the bars because we have artificial reef systems and stuff and getting cut off is just horrible whenever you got so much in gear and so many rods out but uh we have like four or five good spots at top sail and that's it's been trial and error because we had to find the bars you can see them on maps sometimes they'll show um but yeah we're looking for open no artificial reefs looking for one or two sandbars and that we can drop a pass and, and get bait out to make all right now i'm understanding a little bit on that one that because you want that piece there okay blake what about you yeah so basically the same thing we usually look like we'll look at a google satellite occasionally or maps or whatever uh we look for sharp breaks if we can find any of those sharper breaks like if it drops from 20 to 30 or you know 10 to 20 any of those sharp breaks that we can find and be on either side of the break that's kind of how we look at and a lot of time is trial and error, but, you know, now we put the time in. We have, like, five or six spots, like Robert said, that we know, you know, the, the, the depth that we need to drop or what's going to get hit during different seasons. As far as, like, we, we don't really drop during the day hardly ever because, like he said, boats and just because out of respect for people on the beach, we don't we don't daytime fish a lot. Because, you know, for my family, too, I mean, I wouldn't want to drop right beside them. So we usually wait till like, right at sunset before we ever drop baits. But it, it was a lot of time just being on the beach, trial and error, putting the time in, learning different spots at work and produce, and kind of like learning that, you know, you really have to just look for those really sharp breaks, kind of. Okay. So now that you guys have selected a spot, uh, how do you set up your gear when you get there? Yeah, so we, we normally have one canopy, a couple coolers, uh, the grill, because <laughs> we're fat. No, fat is, we're, we're hungry. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> we have tough beaches to get to access to just as far as like getting gear to it. Uh, all our accesses are kind of stairs and long walks. So kayak, getting it to the beach, getting all the poles set up, baiting, and then usually around dark we're dropping. So uh, it's, it's kind of time consuming, a couple hours really, to set up the amount of gear we have. And then uh, about the same, taking it down. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about the rod setup then. How many rods do you guys normally run? We had seven, mainly, we, we have seven Abbott 80s um, right now. And we have a, a mixture of Barrett and Steadfast rods. Uh, those seem to be the, the best, most notable rods for, for shark fishing. So. Okay. Blake, anything to add? No, just like Robert was saying, yeah, we usually generally fish, especially on a guide trip. We have seven out of 80 wide set up. We run 200-pound reaction tackle, holocore on them, um, then the 200-pound mono. Uh, like I said, we make our own leaders, so we pretty much use our leaders on every rig that we put out there. We've tried a bunch of different rigs, and there's a bunch of good ones out there, but we've really found that the one we got out now is pretty much our bread and butter. It, it pretty much works just about on anything. Okay, let's talk about your rigs. Can you describe them for us? Yeah, so we run uh, pretty much their 40-foot of 800-pound mono to 1,000-pound swivels. And then I run 900-pound cable, which is about a 6-foot section of it. And then we do a 20-alt or 24-alt catch-all tackle hook. And then we also put a, a either a glow rattle on it or just a regular rattle. kind of just depends what we're 
wanting to try that day. Oh, what, so you put that down towards uh, off the leader. What is is it? Just kind of a little sight and sound indicator to kind of get some attention. So yeah, it does kind of in the waves, like while it's down there. Um, we kind of think it entices them a little bit. We have noticed that you know fishing the rattle, no rattle. Uh, the rattle does bring more bites, um, especially tigers. We noticed on tigers that it really has helped out a lot of that. Um, like the last two months, we've caught I think five tigers four of them over 10 foot in the last two months. <laughs> wow. So they, they've really helped out on that side. You're the first person I've ever heard of using something like that on the end. Cause normally, I mean, I've always seen the line and then the hook and all the leader in between, but I'd never seen a contraption at the end. Yeah. Like I said, it, it really, we, we've noticed that it really helps out. We've, uh, we, like I said, we tried a bunch of different leaders out there and there's a bunch of knowledgeable people and make really good leaders. And we've caught big sharks on other people's leaders. I mean, we have, like I said, that hammerhead came on uh, somebody else's leader. It wasn't one of ours. And that held it. It did really good. It, it's just uh, you learn, you know, just like any surf fishing. I'm sure you've learned when you tie your rigs, too. You can always make things better in your mind when you try it. Yeah. I mean, variety is the spice, man. You, you, one one is great, but having numerous is, is glorious to be able to get out there and catch after the fish. And we've got uh, – I'm, I'm friends with another guy that's really big into shark fishing, especially out in the – Beaufort area, um, Eli Glisson, and he's he's been after a hammerhead out that area. He guides also. He's been guiding for eight years out there. He's been trying to catch a hammer that way forever. And he actually, I actually sent him some leaders to try of mine, and he actually hooked up with two hammers, caught one of them. One was 11 foot. So I mean, that was it. Really proved right there. I mean, he even said it. He was like, "Man, I've fished you know numerous people's leaders. My own never caught a hammer. You know, you sent me those, and I hooked up with two this year." So. Wow, that's cool, man. Congrats. Great job on building something that works like that, guys. Thank you. So when you guys, like you said earlier, you've got five different locations that you really pick for when you're uh, when you're doing all your trips and, and guiding. Uh, and sometimes you guys go out on your own, which we, we've seen on that. So if you guys were going to go out and fish in a brand new place that you've never been before, what would you do for planning to set up for that? So we kind of did that last year. We actually made a trip, the Hillbillies Fishing Curry, all of us in our curry. We went to the Panhandle, never fished it before. Uh, we took two enclosed trailers, <laughs> and we went to, uh, I think it's Opal Beach out that way. Ah, you're in my backyard. Yeah, I love Opal. Yep. But yeah, we went to Opal, and we stayed a week fishing out that way. Um, and it was new to us. Like, we had never done it. It was in the winter. It was a winter trip. And we're already talking about doing a winter trip this year, too, to Florida. I don't know if we're going to go back to Opal or if we're going to go to a different place. Uh, but we did a lot of research. You know, we we talked to a few people, talked to uh, different things, looked at different weather patterns, looked at what people was catching. And actually, the week before we got there is the same week they caught that Mako and Great White. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, now, what, what killed us was when we got there, they literally had the coldest cold front Florida has had, <laughs> they said, in numerous years when we got there. So, for that whole week, I mean, it was freezing. What was the temp, Rob? It was like... That was in the 20s, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, it was definitely in the 20s, and the wind did not help. So it, it felt like it was in the negatives. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. guys were here for that. I mean, I remember that week because I was like, this ain't Florida. What the hell is this? That's what I was saying the whole time. Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. They were like, oh, don't let this discourage you. This is not like what it usually is here. And the beach was beautiful. I mean, it was. It, it was really pretty, beautiful, clear water. Um, but we did prepare for it. That cold front really messed us up. We ended up catching, I think, eight eight sandbars, one tiger, and a bull. 
so i mean we did good but it was really it really affected the fishing it, it was definitely different and preparing for it but we usually try to research spots we try to get with local guides and talk to them occasionally if they'll talk to us uh we look at bait selection what's doing good that time you know that time frame which you know that's when also everybody at navarre pier was catching black fins i know you remember that when the black fins were actually running we don't talk about that but yes <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the controversy uh, that came from that coming out, oh my gosh. I, I have not uh, heard that many threats in a very small oh circle in a community in a long time. Well, I actually I actually stopped up on Blackfin Heads for that trip, so we had them to drop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, we, we did really good, but we didn't catch what we were really wanting to catch. We were hoping for a Mako. We were hoping for a Dusky. We just we didn't get those big bites that we were looking for. We did catch a bunch of sandblars and we caught a tiger, but we just didn't ever get really the big fish that we were wanting on that trip. But I really think the cold front is what got us. Okay, so you did some planning there, Rob. Any different response? Yeah, yeah, and that was pretty much it. It was just almost unbearable to be down. <laughs> I was like, let's go to the Keys, man. Let's, we already went this far. <laughs> yeah, you're halfway there from home. I mean, you might as well. Just yeah, quick right. run down. Another ten hours and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Fishing might have been a bit different, but yeah, you would have been, you would have definitely been much more comfortable. <laughs> but it ended up working out. It was, it was a great time. Uh, something we'd never done before like that as a group. So it was awesome. Well, if you come back down this winter, hopefully we don't run into one of those freezing ones for you because, uh, yeah, that's, that's just got awful and painful. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was a beautiful trip though. Like I said, y'all, y'all definitely have some of the prettiest beaches. I mean, it, it, it was like no other. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's cheating. It's like going to the Caribbean, but you're in Florida. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about adjustments here. So while you're out fishing, whether it's the charter or on your own, Robin, have you start on this one. How do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? We, we usually drop so many different baits, and, and we'll figure out what's getting hit. So it's hard work, but we'll end up changing and going that way to that specific bait. And uh, we'll also find distance is a big thing when shark fishing. So sometimes they're they're biting at 500 yards out. Sometimes it's 200 yards out. As soon as we can figure them out, we're, we're usually on fire at that point. A lot of lot of trial and error on our part uh, from the beginning when we weren't doing great to now when we, we kind of know every area about the time of the day, uh, tide levels. Uh, now we've gotten more specific and we can actually, we've actually figured out a good bit where we're always catching 10 foot plus uh, sharks. Okay. So adjusting the ranges and depths makes sense. Okay. On that one. Makes bait. bait, big thing. A bait being, yeah, definitely. I can imagine, yeah. you know, a, a cow nose head versus a, a blackfin head would produce different results. Yes. Okay. Blake, what about you? Anything you'd add to that? Um, we're about the same. I'm, I'm pretty much on the same level as Rob. A lot of people swear by stingrays. We're not really a hundred percent sold on stingrays. We never do good on them. They do, they do work really good for long soaks. You know, you don't have to change them out, but at night, but typically we do way better on fish heads, really big fish heads. That's typically our bread and butter. We, uh, we, we constantly produce with bigger fish on fish heads than we do rays. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm, like I said, mine's about the same as Rob on that answer. We're about the same. Makes sense. Okay. So you guys have mentioned bait a couple times, and I, I've been trying to find a way to squeeze this in, but now I'm going to now because you brought it up perfectly, and it was a great transition. So you're talking about different heads. So 
when it comes to using bait as, as fish heads, uh, what is about the approximate soak time, you'd say, and what are your favorite uh, kinds of baits to use? Typically, like I said, we'll use bonitas occasionally. The only problem with bonitas is, like, they usually get hit really fast, but they don't last long soaking. You only get about an hour to an hour and a half usually before crabs or something pick them. Uh, but they do produce. So, I mean, if you can keep changing bonitas occasionally, you're going to get bit. So, if, I, if we take clients out that just want to catch a shark, they don't really care about the size. Like, you know, that five to six foot, seven foot, then we'll, we'll put on bonitas because they usually get hit. And I'm not saying you can't catch a big shark on them because we called a we called a 10-foot lemon the other day on one. So, I mean, they, they do catch big fish too, but you just have to change them more frequently. Uh, typically, like, we use tile heads. They work really good. Uh, they're very hardy. They last. Crabs can't pick them as much. Uh, snapper. Snapper heads work really good. Big snappers, like hog nose snappers. Uh, I mean, we're dropping really big heads, too. I mean, these are probably, like, 15-pound heads when we're dropping them. Jesus. So, yeah, you figure a 15-pound head, you know, a two-pound weight, if something pulls that and runs with it, it's going to be a big shark. It's usually at least nine foot plus if it runs with it. <laughs> it's a huge bait. It's a big bait, big fish. All right. Big bait, big fish every day of the week. <laughs> and one good thing for us, one good thing for us is like, you know, a lot of people have to catch their bait. Well, I've got a buddy that actually runs a, a seafood market. So he keeps me all the bait I need pretty much. I get all the heads I want. Uh-huh. It docks out in Hickory. So that's pretty cool. That, that doesn't hurt the, that doesn't hurt the heart at all right there to have that bait set up. No, no, it doesn't at all. <laughs> it helps because that's that used to be. I mean, that's ninety percent of shark fishing is you know worrying about bait, what you can get, where you can get it, and we occasionally we catch our own too, and we have to get stuff. But usually he helps me out a lot on stuff I need, so that that's a huge asset having him. With two pound weight, I mean, a fish. You got me thinking here because my brain always goes back to well, how you're anchoring it. How, what kind of weights are you guys using to anchor your uh, your bait out there? Uh, we use spider weights, um, usually from Adam Struckel. Uh, he seems to make the best spider weights out. And and those yeah, are he's... those are pretty heavy, aren't they? I mean, I can't, I remember. Gosh, I wish I really could remember it. Um, I've never heard his name before. Sputnik, if you will, or a claw uh, claw arm or something like that, right? Yeah, it's basically like a big grappling hook. Almost is kind of like what it is. It looks like a torpedo with uh, spider legs that come out and you bend them. Like I said, like Robert said, Adam Struckel, he does, uh, I think it's Apex onshore fishing tackle. We've tried numerous weights, but his weights are the best. I mean, they, they hold, like we know when we put a bait out, it's a two-pound weight. That bait's not going to move. We don't, I don't even care if there's no current. We still use the 32-ounce. That's what we use 99% of the time when we drop baits because we know if we kayak it out, it's not going to move. That yeah. two pounds is going to hold pretty much everything you've thrown out? Yeah, you just don't want to kayak out and then have your bait wash back to the shore because it's so hard to do and it takes so long to do, time-consuming. So, yeah, we usually just make sure that, you know, what we put out stays. We don't want it washing back into the shore. Yeah, I mean, Rob probably doesn't want to be kayaking out every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, pretty, that's pretty stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rob, let's talk about the kayak for a quick second here because uh, it runs in conjunction, and you, you're the kayak guy. Uh, what what are you using, and about how far out do you uh, – what, what's about the max you like to go? Blake likes to get a couple drops at, like, 800 yards because he likes to see me paddle that far. <laughs> uh, and that's friendship <laughs> right there. <laughs> but, but deep in my heart, I feel like three to 500 yards is, like, where we catch majority of our sharks. Uh, and they're still good size, so – 
I love it though. It's it's like uh, the first time I went out there, it was just like an adrenaline rush, and it's pretty awesome. I, I don't know how to explain it to, to a normal person. Can't imagine explaining it because every time I've seen you guys, anyone kayak out, I'm like, please come back safely. <laughs> you guys are so far yeah, out there. There's been some sketchy times uh, uh, when weather's just not cooperating and, and the waves are just massive. Uh, it's not often, but but yeah, you, you, sometimes you don't want to go out there. You fear it, uh, and you just got to do it. So yeah, he almost did die one time in a storm when we were out kayaking. He, he got yeah, the bottom. <laughs> Doesn't sound yeah. like I, gotta, I want to hear that. I I want to hear this, but I don't at the same time. Now it's kind of like that. Do I? Oh, this is a scary situation. Yeah, it, it really didn't seem like it was that bad. Uh, the waves were rough, but we'd been through it before, and uh, just what what it what it was was the waves were just further offshore. Um, I guess from hitting a, another bar at that time, they had just done some reconstruction to the beach. So it was it was kind of new area for us, even though it was the same area, but they had uh, dredged the beach to 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 fix the beach line, and the uh, just waves were just further out for some reason, and and got hit with like a eight maybe nine foot wave, and it just completely tipped the kayak straight back, and having two baits on there, two hooks, two weights, trying, it was so strong it broke the kayak leash, so the kayak just left me. And I'm swimming as hard as I can to get back to the kayak to flip it over and get back in it. And uh, and I, I felt like I was pedaling like my life away. And they were like, "Yeah, you weren't moving. You just got lucky the kayak came back to you." Oh no! <laughs> I was that's like, Holy terrifying. crap! I was like, "Man, I thought I was treading water good." And they're like, "No, you weren't moving. You were just sitting there." <laughs> I guess I may have been in like a riptide or something. Uh, and then the the kayak just happened to come right back to me. So uh, a little nerve wracking, but. I think I held off kayaking for a little bit that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, that's fair. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, uh, a little fishing angel on your shoulder never hurts to be like, hey, don't worry, I'll save you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It was there that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you burned up some luck, man. I'm, I'm glad you're still here to have this conversation with us. Uh, that's That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Now we're going to move from into that. Now we're going to move into your business, into the guiding. So before we do that, this is the perfect opportunity, man. We're right on timelines here that are glorious today, I tell you. Baycheck, this is your second Baycheck of the episode. This Baycheck has been brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. On on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the terminal tackle and floats and rigs they have available. They got this new one that you've seen me post before, this glow-in-the-dark sand flea one. It's going to be awesome for your daytime. It's got the good gold color for the catching on them fleas. But if you want to stick into the nighttime, into the evening, it's got the good glow side on there, too, that's going to catch that attention. Tie that up and get all hooked in to get into something fun there at the surf. If you also need beads... Maybe you need some other ones on some squiddy-looking things. Mm, he's got them. DSCustomTackle.com. Head on over and get your order in. Well, now we're talking about into the guiding piece. So, uh, Blake, we'll start with you on this round. What got you into guiding? Um, so, basically, like, we, you know, I'm very competitive. I told you earlier. Uh, we got to fishing, you know, with the curry. Um, we got where we're actually pretty good at it now. Like, like Robert said, we usually... We haven't zeroed in a long time, knock on wood. We typically usually catch at least an eight-footer. 
uh, we would have people on the beach all the time that would walk by and be like, Hey, do y'all, do y'all offer chargers or, you know, can I do this? I want to, I want to do it. We, me and Robert kind of pitched the idea back and forth to crew. Like I said, the crew just, some of them didn't really want to do the guide business side. And me and Robert both were like, you know, it basically pays for itself coming down to do it. Uh, we feel like we have the knowledge because, you know, we put the time in, we've learned, um, and we want to share. And it's the biggest thing for me was I want to share the experience with other people. I don't really care about catching the fish now. It, it's more about, you know, setting the hook, let them really didn't have to fight, especially kids. Like seeing kids catch, you know, a shark that's bigger than them, you know, that's a moment you can never get any other way. So for me, that that's really, I want to promote it. And, you know, shark fishing has always been such a taboo subject. You know, there's a lot of locals that, and, and people in general that, you know, a lot of shark fishermen, they're like, no, don't talk about it. We don't want it in the spotlight. We don't want it this way. Well, I think if you put it in a positive spotlight versus the negative, I do think it helps. I mean, because, you know, the sharks are there. People are going to shark fish. I think if you can promote it in a positive way and show education, uh, it really helps. And we do tag also. We tag with NOAA Fisheries. So, I mean, we do a little bit of research on that side. Uh, it's, it's, it's just definitely we want to get it in a positive spotlight. That was the biggest thing with me wanting to guide for the most part. That's awesome you guys are working with Noah. I, I love that the majority of every shark team I've talked to is, yeah, we tag and we send in the data. It's, yeah, hell, those creatures are, we think we know a lot, but we know barely anything about sharks. And it's really cool that we're able to send this data back, and you guys are the ones to thank for that. So thanks for always doing that. Uh, Rob, moving into you there, what got you, it sounds like Blake answered it, but was there anything for you that got you into guiding? Yeah, that's the same thing. We just had a bunch of people asking about it, and uh same thing man like uh we talked earlier about like memories and stuff and all of our memories come from our family and pretty much i mean we've had a couple bachelor party guide services and stuff but majority of our guide services are like dads wanting to be out there with their family that's just really cool because that's the only way you keep these traditions alive uh hunting fishing everything gets looked on negative now nowadays with, with harvesting animals and this is just one way to to have it positive for people 20 years down the road. So that's one of the big things for me too. Not only having fun, but helping people learn. And you're right. Something about a kid, that smile. It's so different after they catch a monster fish. Yeah. Like, like, like our first charter was like 11 people and it was just a, a dad, a mom, uh, their kids and their cousins. And, uh, like every one of them got action on the rod taking pictures and uh, they'll never forget that man they're you know they're 16 17 and 12 year olds out there they'll, they'll all remember that for the rest of their lives uh-huh for sure uh well rob you already started there so let's continue on with you uh, and you guys can bounce this back and forth however you want uh what comes with going on a trip with you guys yeah so pretty much hitting us up at the, our uh at blake's email um blake does majority of the the planning and and guide i'm just kind of like down for whatever so uh <laughs> he talk he goes back and forth talking to the people uh getting their info seeing what what works out with everybody's schedule but pretty much we're always open as long as nothing's booked but majority of our stuff we want at, at night anyway like we were saying earlier just with the the boats in our area uh they, they go pretty close to shore having three or four thousand dollars worth of gear get ripped at one time isn't fun so we try to plan around that that's really the only thing that we ask of them is is you know to do evening and and, and night trips so okay blake anything to add of what what's what, uh, what comes with going on the trip with you guys 
Um, so pretty much we offer, you know, three different packages. We have a six-hour trip, a 12-hour trip, and a 24-hour trip. Usually our 24-hour trip, we do uh, provide lunch or dinner. Each side will cook on the Blackstone. Like I think we made smash burgers a while back on one trip for the clients. Yep. Which they love that. So, <laughs> like I said, we, we always fish a minimum of seven Abbott 80 wides on the trip. So, I mean, a lot of charters you go on, they're only running, you know, one to three rods. We're putting seven out, so you have the highest chance available to catch something. We trying to think what else. We'll put out surf rods too, so they can catch some surf fishing action, catch a couple whitings, catch a couple pompano, some bluefish if they're running. We bring cornhole boards where they can throw cornhole during downtime. Uh, like I said, we really try to cater to families. We do a lot of family on our charters. And then also, like Robert said, we've done a few bachelor parties. Uh, that seems to be a big hit on that side. Like I said, we rarely we rarely don't catch something on a trip. But usually everybody's happy. Uh, our very first trip, like Robert was saying, we had 11 people. <laughs> and we were basically explaining the rules and how it's going to go. We were like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And about that time, we were 30 minutes into the charter. We doubled up. We doubled up with a 10-plus Tiger and a nine-and-a-half-foot hammerhead. Oh, no. So <laughs> it, it was we literally, Robert had to land the tiger and I had to land the hammerhead solo. We both did. So it was, uh, it was definitely chaotic. Cause like I said, it was our very first charter and that's what me and Robert were wondering. We were like, can we do this? You know, right before that. And then we caught, like I said, we doubled up on a 10 footer and a nine and a half foot hammerhead. So it, it definitely helped us, you know, get some confidence and like, Hey, we can do this, you know, and we've, we've continued to do it every time we went out now. So it, it, it's really helped us. I'm going to jump into a weird question here, uh, and uh, Blake, you can run, and then Rob will kick into this one. One of the ones that the danger time that from my my brain is the landing. The landing and the release are the two most critical, okay, this is where we have to be careful moments. What is something that goes through your mind there when you are, when you're in the danger zone? I usually, we usually, like, me and Robert are really in sync. Our crew, too, when we fish with them. We're all in sync. We all have a job. You know, you have your leader man holding the leader. Uh, you have one person that gains control of the shark. You know, one's usually in the harness reeling it in. And then one has the de-hooker or the bolt cutters. So we always bring the bolt cutters, the tail rope, and the de-hooker down to the to the beach, to the surf right there where we land it. The biggest thing is we just we want safety for the shark. We want safety for everybody. Uh, we don't let clients really get right beside the shark typically unless we're down there holding it or, you know, controlling it, the business end of it like we had one one trip we went on topsail they had had a, a huge storm which uncovered like a road or something but it made like this rubbery slippery slippery surface in the beach like on the beach and in the wash so if you were stepping you were slipping everywhere um and that was kind of hectic that night because that was the night that we doubled up and i actually ended up slipping on top of the tiger's head <laughs> oh no yeah, that, that was a little weird. Um, but again, like I said, they're docile. They're not trying to hurt you. And that was my mistake. It just got so slippery you couldn't stand on a part that we were at. But typically we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tail rope and pull them into the beach, turn them backwards so they're still getting water through the gills. We don't pull them, you know, out of the ocean all the way. And we just try to get them out as quick as we can. We'll take a few picks. And we just try to keep everybody safe and the shark safe. And then we'll tag them too if we can. Okay. Rob, what about you? Yeah, um, even though the adrenaline's high and, and stuff, I'm there's there's like no fear of it really. It's kind of a, a weird stance. You just want to see it. You, you're like waiting for it to crest to see when it's close to the shore, and then you're wanting to get out there to get it in. Like it's it's a weird 
I don't know, maybe to like a normal person's brain, it's just like a weird scenario. Just uh, you want to get out there and, and touch it so bad and get it inshore, <laughs> get it back out healthy. Uh, we've caught several sharks that have been tagged already and turn, turned that info back into NOAA. It's, it's real cool because that, that means more than more than us have touched that shark. And uh, the ones that hadn't been tagged uh, just uh, just like makes you wonder how many other people have touched that one uh, when you don't know. Blake, kick it on to you then over to Rob for this one. What is your favorite part about running a charter? Back to the, to what we were talking about earlier is just uh, really our, my the family ones are the coolest ones because like uh, – they already have a really good bond, all the people who are out there. And then just to strengthen that and, and put them on big sharks is, uh, like I said, you're part of that memory of that family forever. Uh, we get people messages all the time that have been on our charters uh, after, you know, months afterwards and just checking on us. Uh, you really just, you know, become part of them somehow uh, with those experiences. So that's just really cool to me. I don't know about, I'm sure Blake's the same way, but. That would be my answer to it. Mine's kind of like Robert said. For us, it's it's really the experience. Just you know, letting family, it's kind of get involved. Like, me and Robert both. I don't even care about catching a shark now. It's it's really about setting the hook for them and watching them fight it. It's just really about the family experience. Getting to see other kids do it and family members bond with their you know father, son, mother, daughter, anything like that that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. Being able to be part of that that and you know promote shark fishing in a positive way and get away from that negative stigma and you guys definitely sound like you are promoting it in that way for sure i just based on these conversations right here i can tell you guys are really doing it really well i was just saying there are several knowledgeable guides you know in our area too that are really good there's a lot of good shark fishermen in north carolina that are very knowledgeable and they've all been very helpful to us we helped them some but they're they're super they're, they're super good you know shark fishing community in north carolina they're all pretty tight and close that's good to have a network like that. I was actually going to, I didn't know if I should ask that one, but I was wondering how is the community of shark fishermen? Cause it's not like you're, you know, the only one there, there are numerous there, but everybody's kind of close knit tight and try to help each other. I'm guessing. Yeah. With the guides, that's how it is. It kind of seems like that, but um, you know, with every industry, when you're doing this, uh, you know, you have people who aren't willing to share knowledge and stuff, but it seems like the guides are all in it for the same reason to, to, figure out how to catch sharks and how to have those experiences with other people. I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask, how is running a charter different than your normal fishing day? For me, usually like running a charter, you're more stressed. When we're just having a normal fishing day, like with friends, you know, the courier or whatever, we're out having fun. We're not really worried. You know, me and Robert both stressed. We were really stressed in the last trip we took. Um, cause we were running it till midnight and we didn't get a bite at midnight, but literally at 1205, you know, we hooked a 10 foot lemon. So we, we, uh, we really stay stressed until we catch fish and that, you know, fishing, fishing for a lot of people's fun, which it is still fun, but it does put a lot more stress on you when you're doing it for money. Cause I mean, you can't guarantee fish for people, you know that, but you really want to provide and be able to make them happy at the end of the day. And put a fish on for them so that to me that's the difference like it, it's more about just having fun relaxing with your crew your friends you know you're drinking beer chilling you're not really trying to get as many baits out of that one time like for me it's just you, you stay stressed more on the charger side or the guide side yeah same thing we just like 
the whole time we're we're together looking at each other like oh man we got to put these people on big fish even a five or six footer that that's impressive to a normal person but but we like to go all out so we're always like stressed out uh when it comes to the guide side i don't like taking anybody's money and not not producing the results that we tell we show off and and we tell people that we produce so the whole time me and blake are always stressed out when it's a guide uh, when it's just fishing with the buddies uh, we want to catch big sharks and it's cool but there's the more on the line what have been some valuable lessons learned after starting and running your charter business I think the biggest thing on my side was, you know, the business side is like making sure it's an LLC, make sure you have insurance, make sure you get people to sign liability waivers. I don't think anybody will really, you know, deliberately see you, but we do know in today's world, anybody will see you for anything. So that that's our big thing. We make everybody sign a liability waiver before we hit the sand. Um, we don't let them near the sharks, instructing everybody from the beginning. You know, it is, we are fishing. We can't promise you a shark, but we're going to do everything in our power to put you on one. It's just like any hunting guide trip. You can't 100% promise you're going to catch a shark. Just let them know that from the beginning. That's that, that's our my biggest takeaway point, I think, starting the guide service. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, but You did really well on that question. <laughs> uh, I think Roberts would be to try to get them involved in kayaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, you want to kayak back? Kayak inside one out? Don't worry. You already signed the, la- the waiver. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mess with them all the time about that. As soon as, as, soon as it's about the, the third trip out, I'm like, anybody want to jump in and, and tag off? And, and everybody's like, no, nah, we are not doing that. That's just... <laughs> but it's all part of the experience, y'all. Yeah, that's, that's why I said you, you you can get the full experience or you can sit there and watch. I mean, it's up to you. Now we recently just got radios, two two way radios that we use for kayaking. Before we didn't use that, so we just started using radios, and it's helped a lot. I would think. I mean, it does. It helps a good bit. Oh, yeah, fun. yeah, especially over yelling from the beach or doing hand signals to go right, left, or further. Uh, yeah, the radios have been a lifesaver. Sometimes you get out there, and and the the tide's taking you a different way than what you're you're looking back at a at a long coast. So you feel like you're straight everywhere you go when you're looking back at it. But but we can drop baits exactly where we're wanting to now because they can see the 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 breaks in the the sandbars and and uh, the deep spots where I can't see while I'm out there. So that's been like a great. I think that's helped us out with our success rate like tremendously. Blake, how do people book a trip or look you up to go on a charter? Um, so pretty much we have the Hillbillies Guide Service page on Facebook. Um, they can message me from there. They can do it on Instagram. That's typically the easiest way I get back to them. Uh, we do promote on different sites also on Facebook, like a lot of the fishing groups. Usually everybody there just pretty much contacts us on Hillbilly Guide Service page. They can either message or call or email. Either way, there's all three of them are on there. All right. And you guys, like you said, you're running from Topsail to Oak Island. Is that correct? We- we do Topsail, Oak Island, and occasionally we do Holden Beach. Uh, we don't do a whole lot of Holden, but we have. I think we got a trip scheduled there next in the spring, actually coming up. Okay. Well, now we're we're coming up on the end, guys. You're almost free, and this is uh this is my favorite little piece of future knowledge. Uh, my favorite part of the show for that for future knowledge for people that are just starting out, getting into the game for fishing, uh, and those that are definitely in your world for this, exploring land-based shark fishing. So we'll definitely jump into that right after we do the fun one here. 
Baycheck. This is your final Baycheck of the show. This Baycheck has been brought to you by Deerfield Fabrication and Welding. You ever needed a new cart? Maybe you wanted a custom cart. Head on over to Deerfield Fabrication and Welding. I'm sorry, DeerfieldFabandWeld.com. I forgot it's not the whole words. And take a look at the stuff that they have in the shop. I have seen some of their brand new gear after the recent Pompano Fall Blast tournament, and their carts are looking fabulous. When two of your friends are, one's an inspector for welding, another one is another cart maker, look at the welds and say, that is quality, that is well built, then you know that something is being done right. Head on over to DeerfieldFabAndWeld.com. Take a look at the carts and all the accessories they have available. Build your cart, and you can reach out and talk to Deerfield to see if there's any other adjustments you need to make to get your cart set up the way you want. Thanks again, Deerfield, for coming down for that tournament. Always good talking with you, and great job on the carts you guys have been building. Super great product. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler starting out in land-based shark fishing? Biggest thing I I believe is tides. I believe that the low tide surface for shark fishing is like huge. I, I just believe you catch bigger sharks and and more sharks at that time. It seems to be like the peak of low tide to the beginning of low tide seems to be like the best time to catch big sharks for us at our area. I don't know about like maybe like Florida or something, uh, but like the North Carolina beaches and stuff. Uh, that's definitely seems to be when we're on fire that and the right gear releasing sharks safely those three things are probably my biggest aspect of the fishing blake mine's like robert too i mean the biggest thing is if you don't have bait in the water you're not gonna catch a fish so don't don't overthink it because at the end of the day like we talked about earlier it's catfishing in the ocean basically so don't let like people discourage you and say oh you're not gonna catch anything or you can't do that or you can't do this if you don't have bait in the water, you know, that that's 90% of the game. So just don't let people discourage you. The other thing that I would recommend highly would be take a charter with somebody. If we would have took a charter with somebody from when we first started out, I think we would have saved two years of a lot of headache and a lot of learning. I think if you go with somebody that's very knowledgeable from the start, you'll definitely learn more and it's going to help you throughout the long run catching sharks. You get to avoid a lot of the unnecessary trips that you're going to zero hitting the beach. Yeah, learning from other people and their mistakes or quality or their product or how they do things, that makes a huge difference in time and aggravation. It does. And you don't have to have the best gear starting out. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to have a, a 80 wide or 130, you know, to catch a short. I mean, you don't have to have that necessarily, but you do need to have quality lines, something with a decent drag that's got around 40 to 50 pounds of drag and good leaders. You want something that's going to hold the fish because you don't want, you know, that short to break off and have – 200 yards of line trolling behind him when he breaks off and tangles on a reef and ends up dying. You know, that's not good for the sport. It's not good for the shark. It's not good for anybody. So you really do want to have, you know, quality gear if you can, what your budget will allow for the size of the shark that you're targeting. But at the end of the day, like I said, being in the water is 90% of the game. I love that you threw in there the, the gear thing because, you know, you're not going to go out there with a 12-foot surf rod you know hucking monster bait and think you're going to pull in a 12 foot tiger i mean no. you're not going out there don't don't try targeting monster species with gear that can't because all you're going to do is one get spooled and then you're going to eventually end up killing that fish but also uh, one of the ones i was always told is you know if you're hooked up on it get it in and get it out as fast as possible you do not want them gassed because they won't make it definitely and and nowadays too i mean one other thing i would say too is watch youtube 
there's so many knowledgeable people on YouTube that shark fish. I mean, there's a bunch that you can learn from. I mean, we, I learned a lot on YouTube. I watched a lot of videos. I mean, there's some good, bad, but there, there are some very knowledgeable people on YouTube or get involved, you know, on, on the Facebook groups. Most of them are very helpful. Like Robert said, you get occasionally, you know, some of the people that think they're all that and they don't want to answer questions or they just think you're the dumbest person alive for, you know, for asking anything. But there are some very knowledgeable people in the sport that are very happy to help. Good stuff. All right, Blake, uh, second to last question, and then Rob will kick to you here. What do you recommend to someone coming to the areas that you normally fish that's never been there before do before they even put their lines in the water? Honestly, man, I would walk the pier and talk to locals. That to me, like if you walk the piers and talk to locals about the area, that that's usually a good spot because a lot of the fishermen that fish there, majorly, they all fish the piers or they're locals on the piers, and that they can kind of help you with the tides if you just ask them, you know, like what's better, you know, high tide, low tide. Uh, they might tell you a different area that's like deeper on the beach. Um, most people on the pier are usually very knowledgeable and willing to help. Uh, I would recommend everybody make sure they have their saltwater fishing license for the state uh, and know the regulations. That would be my big takeaway. I would say, other than, you know, like I said, maybe hire a charter or go get a guide service to take you out your first time. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Shark regulations are, are totally different than regular fish regulations, species to species. So uh, knowing that and knowing what you can and can't do and, and bring in is a, it's going to be a big help for anybody. All right, Rob, you you're, you got the last word on that one. So here is the last question of the episode. You get to lead it. What's next for you? Trip to Florida. Catch me in Mako. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> For sure. Like I said, we hadn't fully decided. We, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks of where we're going. We've kind of been on the the Navarre again, maybe the, the Tampa area. But we hadn't fully decided. But, yeah, we want to get on some Makos, both of us. So. Okay. That's going to be the next thing on, on my chapter for sure. And Blake will follow along. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fun. <laughs> okay. That's really funny, actually. All right, Blake, what's next for you? Um, like I said, I mean, basically, yeah, we're going to try to do some trips with the Hillbillies Curry, uh, take it on the road a little ways. We want, like I said, we want to do sturgeon. We want to do a Keys trip or somewhere in Florida again, uh, just catch species, different things. One thing that we're trying to do, like I said, we're trying to focus on the brand for Hillbillies. I mean, we're, we're coming out with merch. Uh, you know, we're doing the leaders. We're doing different things. Uh, we're going to do a really heavy YouTube channel probably next year on the God side. We really want to give back. Me and Robert were talking about actually the other day. We want to do a veterans thing. So whenever they have Veterans Day, we want to have uh, any local veteran on the beach and tell them, you know, we'll have rods out. Anybody wants to catch a shark, more than welcome. Uh, we want to look back doing stuff for kids. Uh, we even talked about maybe doing a Make-A-Wish for kids, you know, take them out and let them catch. So there's a lot of things that we want to promote, you know, the guide service and the spotlight, you know, for positive, for shark fishing. That's awesome, man. I I look forward to seeing that. And I, th- I you guys sound like the kind of guys that can do just about anything. So seriously, great stuff on that. Uh, and thank you so much for even coming on here. Uh, I do have one last question. And uh, by all means, here here's a free moment here. Uh, Blake, we'll start with you. Is there anything you wanted to add to the episode that I didn't already cover or any call outs you'd like to do? Like I said, our our leaders are available in Mad King's Tackle. Uh, they're in Southport, Oak Island area. We're selling to different other places also coming up. Uh, anybody that wants a leader, you can message me also. Uh, we do get uh, – we are sponsor, sponsored by Reaction Tackle for Holocore Braid and all their other braid. 
Uh, that's what we use to land continuously large sharks. Never had it fail. We also use waterland sunglasses. That's pretty much it right now on our side. But like I said, we're we're definitely expanding and growing, and appreciate all the support from everybody. Definitely, Rob. What about you? Anything I missed that you'd like to throw out there, or any other sponsors you want to throw out? I mean, we're just really glad that you invited us on. Great opportunity for us. It was great talking to you for sure. It's been great talking with you guys, and thank you for just coming on here, man. I I am always thankful when anybody wants to come on and talk fishing. It's like the greatest thing in the world. Like, let's just sit around and talk about this stuff. And if you ever come to North Carolina, Brian, you know you got a free here, Billy's Guide trip. Oh, don't you screw with me. Come on, man. Oh, <laughs> you just had to say, hey, come to North Carolina. We're going fishing. God, we'll, man. We'll put you or We'll let you get you in the harness to get the experience. I mean, I'm still a little, I'll admit it. And for all you listeners, you can call me out on this. I am a little scared of that. <laughs> I, I really am, but all right, fine. We'll be in touch for that. And we'll, we'll definitely figure out something. Cause I do need to go to North Carolina. There's, I've heard so many great things about that fishery and uh, I just, I don't know why I haven't been up, but it's just been one thing after another and I need to stop making excuses. I need to go up there. Yeah, we might go. We might go to the bar and bother you too, so oh, might no. be able to get out there on that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you guys are coming down, give me a holler before you do. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can find out too for any kind of knowledge or try to get you some sort of backdoor stuff going on in the air. Like, hey, go here. You know, if I can, I'm happy to try to help. Thanks. All and right. one more shout out. Yeah, go for it. I want to give. My, yeah, I want to give a shout out to my wife too because she's very understanding. I work a full time EMS job and I'm going, you know, about every other weekend fishing. So she she is very understanding, and I know Rob's probably thinking the same with his wife too, because we do stay gone a lot during fishing season. So I mean, I really do want to give her a shout out. You're a good man. That's good stuff. All right, guys. Well, this is the end. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for you know really giving out all this information. I thought it was great. You definitely dropped some good pieces for people to ponder on land based shark fishing, and not to mention talking about how you guys started and getting to where you are now, uh, and we will definitely be talking again. I know we'll we'll link up several more times offline. It's just kind of the nature of this. I always end up bugging you guys. So thanks so much. Seriously, I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yep, we'll talk soon. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode because I definitely did. We just got done talking with Hillbilly's Guide Service out of the North Carolina area, rocking Topsail all the way to Oak Island, and they had one other spot, but we're going to stay with those two because they really like those. Go take a look at them on social media. You've got them under Hillbilly's Guide Service, Hillbilly's Fishing Crew, and their new equipment and their fishing or their uh, Hillbilly's Leaders. They told you where to get them, and you can also reach out to them to talk to them about them. On social media, if you want to hit the at Hillbilly Fishing Crew, they'll pop up on there. Facebook, on Facebook, same there with Instagram and TikTok. Can't miss on all those ones. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. We'll see you next week. New episode. I am out of here. <laughs>